unfortunately, not all the things that happen in the world of MMA are good. A lot of them are sad. And, and one of the things that I want to say is we were unfortunate to lose a, a good person in South Solis who was a coach in MMA uh, from long ago, still coaching to this day. He was uh, probably best known for coaching Tito Ortiz in the stand-up game for a long time. Just an outstanding human being, great guy, great sense of humor, was on the Ultimate Fighter, did all those things. At the age of 55, he lost his life to COVID, and I just want to say, Sal, for everything you did, man, you're a great man. Rest in peace, brother. Yeah, it's always tough to lose someone that you know has been around the game a long time. You knew him. I knew him. It was just one of those things that things, certain things are out of control. And like we like to make light of, of a lot of things on this show and have fun, but this is not something to make light of. And it's sad, especially at 55, knowing that it could happen so fast, so quick. And it's sad to see him go. And I'm sure um, everyone's upset. You know, his family, I wish him nothing but the best. And rest in peace. And now, weighing in, out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100% And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. Well, are you ready for the midweek edition of the Weighing In Podcast? Podcast number 174. I cannot believe we've done that many, but God, we're going to hit a 1,000 coming up. I know it. Why? Because we love doing this, Josh Thompson. How are you doing there, baby? I'm doing good. We've got a lot of things going on this week and uh, ups and downs for both of us. I think I fly out tomorrow <laughs> morning, last minute, to Sioux Falls at 4.30 in the morning. i got to catch my car to the airport. But, hey, pumped. Can't wait for the fights. Logan Storley's fighting this weekend. He's always fun to watch and just a stud. He's fighting in, his home, in front of his home crowd. I can't wait to watch him fight and get back down. So, um, hey, before we get carried on with this, so go to our YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button, the little bell there on the bottom right corner as well. Notifications, that lets you know when we drop our show. All of you guys in my comment section slide in my DMs telling me, oh, when are you guys going to drop? Well, guess what? If you hit that bell, you don't have to you don't have to reach out to me anymore. We will notify you when it happens. All right? Are so you go saying ahead and you do don't that. want people reaching out to you? Ah, not for something <laughs> like that. Let's go. Come on, guys. This is what technology is all about. So also, too, go down to the link below. That's our Clips channel. And hit that link there and it'll take you to our clips channel hit the subscribe button there as well we are releasing a special show that we do there is called wayne interjection it's fun it's quick it's 8 to 15 8 to 12 minutes we'll never be longer than 15 minutes it's specifically only allowed on our clips channel and you guys it's fun we're going to film it right after we get done doing this and you guys are going to enjoy it because that's what you guys do you guys love us and still and the crowd goes wild because we're all tall long and lanky yeah oh you just had to put it all in one (laughs) thing that's horrible I did it all real quick. It was perfect. Everyone's at home going, yes, he said it. <laughs> I love it. All right, John. Well, hey, we got a lot of fight cards to talk about. You got PFL. You got Bellator. We've got UFC. And, Thursday, uh, what Friday, we're gonna, Saturday. It doesn't get any better. It doesn't get any better than that. So what we're going to do is we're going to take, because there's so many cards, because we have a lot of fan questions we want to get to. So we're going to take probably the top three to four fights that we really want to talk about, that we really want to break down, and also... Uh, tell you which fights possibly that you guys are probably sleeping on or you're just not familiar with uh, the with the fighters. And so, look, what we do here is we talk about MMA in general. We don't just talk about the UFC. We don't just talk about Bellator. We talk about one. We talk about PFL. And occasionally we'll even bring up the LFA because they have a couple great fighters there as well that a lot of companies are signing or looking at right now. 
So um, let's make sure we keep our eyes out and pay attention to these young fighters that are coming up because a lot of them are going to be studs. So um, your superstars of the future. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Okay, so let's go. Let's uh, PFL. We'll start off with the PFL. Wow. Well, you got to start from the top. Kayla Harrison, ten and zero, Miss Double Gold. She's looked fantastic again. I got nothing bad to say about her. She, I, she's she's doing everything she is supposed to do. What do you say? You know, the only thing I can say is the level of competition is not up to her standard. It's not up to who she is. It's not up to her abilities. And again, once again, nothing nothing against Jenna Fabian, but just not ready for someone like Kayla Harrison as far as the experience. She's four and one. Uh, I think most of those are in the PFL, uh, but I just don't see this being a difficult fight for Kayla. You know, obviously a fight's a fight and anything can happen. But Kayla's gonna just do go out and do her thing. She's gonna take Jenna down to the ground eventually, and she's gonna pound her soft until the referee stops it, or she's gonna submit her and get a tap. And uh, it's, it's the way it is when you're watching the PFL and Kayla Harrison is the main main event. And, and again, I I can't say anything detrimental about her. And this she's doing her job. She's going and fighting the people that they're putting in front of her, and that's what she's supposed to do, and she's done it well, and she's won every fight. She's fantastic. Yeah. No, I, I would absolutely agree with you. Uh, Jenna Fabian posed a little bit of a threat, and I think the threat is that she's tall, long, and lanky, so she can use those long <laughs> kicks, those to. those push kicks to the face. She can try to keep the distance as long as she can. She's got a good jab. Um, Kayla Harrison's obviously a little bit more explosive than her that she gets from the judo background. So she does lock her hands around her or does get the over-unders or anything like that. She'll be looking for the hip toss, the foot sweeps, all those things to get the fight to the ground. And once the fight does hit the ground, it's completely out of Jenna Fabian's control. So that's the problem. Like once this fight hits the ground, there is no answer. On the feet, Kayla Harrison can still connect, land big shots as she's coming in. She just got to be very cautious and careful moving her head off center line. And if I think yep. if she does that, she's able to get to the clinch. Once they get to the clinch, it won't last long on the feet. But I think Jenna Fabian's got, she's got the power. We saw that in her last fight. She's got, she's very precise with her kicks and her punches. She's good. She's, she trains up here at, uh, at CSA or she was there at CSA. I don't know if she's still there yep. now, but she was at CSA for a long time. Yeah. So with Karen. she's, uh, yeah, with Kieran. So she's she's good. She's good on the feet. She's just got to learn to get get up off her back. And if she can do that, but it's gonna be a hard task for her to do in this fight. But four and one versus ten and zero. But the level of opponents uh, for both of them, to be honest, has not has not been the highest. But I think they were supposed to meet before. But Jenna Fabian didn't make weight, yeah. and so right. now I think that was for the finals, wasn't it? I think it was for the finals or maybe the semifinals. Was, I think in the last might have been the semis, yeah. The semis, I think, yeah. So, anyways, she didn't make weight, and but she's she got her weight uh, situation under control, and uh, I'm looking forward to this fight. I've been looking forward to this fight for, since last what a year and a half ago when they were supposed to fight. So, I'm pumped. Well, yeah, okay. we, we see a good fight. I, I'm gonna bring this up since Jenna Fabian kind of has a the the Gina Carano look and stuff like that. But did you hear the reporter who was interviewing both Kayla and Jenna at the same time and basically talked about her looks and why would, you know, almost like, you know, you're a good looking, you know, yeah, you can fight, but you're a good looking. And it was, she didn't really, she didn't say anything about it. She did say, you're not saying my name right. But then Kayla Harrison just tore him a new one. And I got to hand it to you. Kayla, another win. Very nice. <laughs> she just tore into it and says, really? 
I think that's kind of disrespectful. You don't ask guys if you know if they're handsome or something like that. It's like, you know, it's it's actually it's true. What the reason that Fabian is there is because she fights and she fights hard, and she's a good fighter. But if you think that she's good looking, that's fine. But that's not what she's there for. She's there because she's there to fight. And she's there to fight Kayla Harrison. I kind of like what Kayla did. Look, I don't know who this person, what, Mills, I think is what his name was. I don't know what his name, I don't know who he is. I don't know who he works for. But the bottom line is, is that when he was asking his question, I don't know if he was nervous or what, but he sounded like he had never watched MMA in his life. Yeah. First, he didn't, first he didn't know her name. Okay, that's fine. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not a normal spelling for Jenna. That's fine. Yeah. I understand that. Okay. But then when you go on to, to, to say the things that you said, it just it just sounded like you're more of a fan taking questions yes. like we were you were invited. That's that. I put a little bit of that responsibility on the PFL. The PFL needs to do a better job, not just PFL. Look, I've had problems before Everyone. in the past. The UFC had done it. Strikeforce had definitely done it. You know, I've Bellator has done it a couple of times. You've got, we've got to vet the the media a little bit better oh. in terms of who, tell me about it. Some of the interviews I have to do and I go, why was I talking to that person? Yeah, we have no because they they have no idea about the sport. Even the people doing the interviews, not just about MMA, just about anything, you know. And so it just really bugs me that these whoever the company is, like the PFL in this situation, they need to vet their media a little bit better because the this guy Mills or whatever he sounded like a fan. He just sounded like a fan that wanted to get in there and ask questions. And I'm not even sure what did it go to his his website that maybe has you know a thousand people that are watching, listening and watching. It just didn't sound right. Didn't come across right. Now look, this is the this is what the issue. Like I understand where you're coming from, but in all fairness, I have been asked a couple of times. You know, I'm sure Luke Rockhold has as well. It's like, hey, how come you guys are not models? How come you guys are not? You guys decided to fight. So yes, to answer Kayla Harrison's uh, question, yes, guys get asked that question as well. But I yeah, do but understand you, where she was hold coming on. from. But that's you were asked to be a sock model. There's a difference, dude. Nah. It's your feet. <laughs> that's true. That's true. No, if you saw my feet, you wouldn't you wouldn't have uh, said that. So damn flintstone no. feet for a small guy. Yeah, it was more I was more of an ear model though, you know. That's kind of what, <laughs> yeah, you know, this cauliflower it worked out perfectly. Oh, Randy Couture, man, he got a whole ear modeling thing with Nike. Jeez, give man. it up to him. That's so funny. That's so funny. Um, but no, in, in reality though, but guys have been asked that question. I mean, look at guys like Alan Jobon. Kids, absolutely good-looking guy. You know, there's other guys. Rockhold, of course, is at the top of the list. You know, and I mean, there's other guys. I know there's fighters. You know, um, that have been asked probably that question. You're a good-looking guy. You're this. And so I don't, I don't want to take it that far. But I do understand, especially the way that this guy Mills put it. I understand exactly why uh, Kayla Harrison said what she said. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, let's go back to the card. <clears throat> what fights on here stand out to you? Well, I, you know, you know, uh, Janelle, I know Jamel Jones. Jones. Yep. And I, I've watched Bruno Capaloza many times. You're talking to just a complete contrast of styles. You've got one guy that's a wrestler. Mm-hmm. One guy likes to knock people out. Uh, Capaloza, I've watched him in Ryzen. I've watched him in the PFL also. He loves to stand up. He's got heavy hands. And he's not easy to take down, and, and he's got, he is in good shape. And the one thing that he is able to do is go deep into into some of these fights and get guys that are trying to take him down and get him winded. So we'll see how Jones does. You're the one that knows him better than I do. What do you think? 
Well, look, Jones is somebody that he's very explosive. He likes to throw the heavy hands to get into the takedown. Once he gets on top, though, he's heavy and he's got great ground and pound. He's got heavy, heavy hands and great ground and pound. But the, the situation is his submission defense is not great. He powers out of a lot of things, but he's a talented young fighter. You know, I've known him for a long time. He used to train with Trevor Prangley up in Idaho. He wrestled out of North Idaho College. He's explosive. Um, the fight IQ is not always there. He uses mainly off of a lot of aggression. He's gotten a lot better though, as of recently, in terms of tempering down that aggression and staying focused and trying to increase his fight IQ. But at the end of the day, he's got to make sure that he gets his fight to the ground. So I don't know how good uh Bruno's takedown defense is, but it's gonna have to be good. The one thing with Jamel Jones, he does tend to slow down as the fight goes on. Because he does use a lot of strength and he's a lot of explosiveness. And we've seen that from a lot of fighters that are that are powerful and are explosive. They tend to slow down as the fight goes on. So he's going to have to make sure that he controls that aggression. And, you know, and he's picking and choosing his shots in his ground up pound and not just flailing about. You know, and sh- with shots that are not landing and being effective. So if he does, if he does get on top, it's going to be a long night for Bruno. I can tell you that. That's one thing I know. Yeah, and, it, and the same thing if if he doesn't get Bruno out of there and he doesn't do a lot of damage on the ground, Bruno's got some, it's got a pretty good gas tank. You know, heavyweights just are not known for having good gas tanks. And when a guy can go and go hard for those three rounds, that's, yeah. that's a tough one. So we'll see. It could be that, you know, he gets him down and he, and he takes him out of it. It could be that he is uh, wasting a lot of energy in that and then cannot survive in the end. It'll be interesting to see. What other fights on this card strike you down? Well, I I love you know Caitlin Young has been around forever. Mm-hmm. And she's fighting Marina Mokankinya. Uh-huh, Ooh, I love that you name. You had to I've say, had to say that it a couple before. times. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> but just uh, brutal. You know, the, the, a, again, a real contrast in style because Caitlin was always more of a stand-up fighter, but got good with the submissions. And Marina is very good with the submissions. Yes, she goes after. Uh, all kinds of different techniques. She's she's good with her leg locks. She's great with arm bars. She's got a very good submission game. Her stand up game, I don't think, can stay with Caitlin. And if Caitlin can so, keep it on on the feet, I think Caitlin eats her up in the stand up. So, but it's, it'll be yeah. an interesting fight to watch. Yeah, I think if Marina gets to the top <laughs> position, she'll be able to threaten a lot of submissions as well as do some damage. She's got a pretty good gas tank, though. I was surprised on how good her gas tank was for how much effort she was putting out to get the fights to the ground. She's not yeah. afraid to stand. She just chooses to crush that distance. She's either all the way in the pocket, kind of trying to dirty box you and knee you and keep you to the fence and get takedowns, or she's all the way out. She does a lot of circling, which that's why I was surprised that she was able to, um, her gas tank was able to, to withstand for the full three rounds. She's tough. She's got, she's got some, she's tough. She's got a little bit of power in the hands, but she's, everything is for her to lead herself into that takedown. I think with Young, she's just got to make sure that she's not standing directly in front of her to make it easy for the takedown. And I think she's got a good chance of piecing her up though on the feet. Yeah. So do I. I think on the feet, even though I'll give it, Marina actually improved a ton mm-hmm. from what I first, when I first saw her and she was in yes. Fight Night Global and then she came to Bellator and then her last fight, she actually did well. In the stand-up, she's really mm-hmm. she has really improved in that in that category. I just don't think she's improved enough yeah. to stay with Caitlyn if she do, if she doesn't get in close and take her down pretty quick. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, other than that, I don't really see any of the other fights on this card that I'm too hot on. You know, you've got two girls that are O and O and O, the O O and O, and then you've uh, you know, is there more fights on this card? 
Well, the you know the real problem is Larissa Pacheco's on the card. You know, she's yeah. she's a good fighter, fifteen and four record. She's tough. She has fought against uh, Kayla and she's lost, but she's going against Taylor Gerardo Gordado, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And Taylor's two and one. Mm-hmm. That's pretty tough when you're taking a fighter with which will be their twentieth pro fight and putting them against someone who's in their fourth. Especially yeah. when that person with the 20 pro fights is actually good. I'm like, damn, man. Whoever is putting this one and allowing this one, that's not the kind that you really want. Someone had to talk somebody into something. John, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Is Are promotions wasting their time? I got to be very careful how I say this. Are, promotion, <laughs> are promotions wasting their oh. time? If they're not, if they're not the UFC, are promotions wasting their time having female fights right now? Because there's just not enough active female fighters that have evolved to that level of the highest level. I mean, you have Invicta, you've got PFL, you've got Bellator, you've got UFC, you've got you know, we've got one. Like right now, the level of top level female fighters is really, it's really you have like the UFC, and sure, you've got a lot that are in Bellator, but and you've got a couple in in the PFL, and you've got a couple in one, but they're not. Like it's, there's not a lot of them, so they're now. Yeah, but see what you and what you're talking about here. You know, look at the PFL in whatever you know decision they they made and whoever came up with it. It was because of Kayla. Yeah, Kayla was in that position. She's she was a larger lady, and you know, 155 was the weight class that she wanted to be in because she felt like I, I can't get to 145, which she has well, though. She, yes, she has, and the real problem is. You know, there's a ton of really good women fighters that are in that. There's not a ton that are in the 105 atom weight because that's pretty small. But you get into the 115 straw weight, there's a lot. You get into the 125 flyweight, there is a ton. That is stacked with a ton of good fighters. 135, the bantam weights has got a ton. You get into the 145, the featherweight, it it, it starts to tail off. You know, there's just not as much talent because you just don't get as many women of that size that are fighting and wanting to fight. And then you, you, you all of a sudden start one at 155. There's no one there. And that's the real problem. You're trying to create these, these people to come. And a lot of them are, are women that have fought at Bantamweight or Featherweight and they're moving up because they want the opportunity, but they're just not in a, in a position to fight at 155 pounds and be successful and there's just not that many of them. So I think yeah. with, you know, to say, should the UFC, you know, change anything? No, they're doing fine. You know, in fact, in fact, you take a look at their featherweights, there's nobody there. Yeah. They, they, they don't even have anybody really, you know, hardly. They got a couple ladies there. But, you know, Bellator's got some. You know, Invicta's got a lot that are what we, you know, we're talking. Those are the ones coming up and they're going to be the next generation. But. When you're talking 155, nobody's got anything. And even the PFL, they've got Kayla, and she's yeah. a stud. But there's just not a whole lot else out there at that weight yeah. class. Yeah, this is the only fight that they really have that they have not been able to put together is Jenna Fabian and Kayla Harrison. Yeah. Like, these are the two that I think they're, I think Jenna, I think Jenna Fabian is probably the number two girl, you know, that they've had from yeah, on I the think roster. La- she- I think, yeah, I think Larissa is better than Jenna. You but, think so? Yeah. If they fought, I say Larissa wins. They haven't fought, though? Nope. Dave, can you click on Jennifer? I don't think so. I don't think so either. 
So no. that's one I have, I don't believe is just happening. No, no, no. All right, well, maybe we'll see that fight next. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> You're already, but I, I see we're already saying. Oh, Kayla wins. Yeah. Uh, it's all right. And we'll see. All right. Look, okay. let's be honest. Kayla's a huge favorite. Yeah. Huge favorite in this. Yeah. This fight's going to hit the ground. <laughs> yeah. It's going to hit the ground. You know, well, this, right, well, this, hey, this comes back. This, it comes back to the old days. You can sit there and say, how many times have you watched a boxer come in and do well with just boxing mm-hmm. in MMA? And I'm not saying that, you know, Jenna has just boxing. I'm not saying that, but that is her best skill set is her hands. Yeah. So the, She's got good odds. kicks. She, she yeah. hides them pretty well behind her hands, and she's gotten better after working all that time at CSA with Kieran and them. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, she, um, but I would have to agree with you. Her boxing is definitely her best uh, attribute. That's uh, talent. All right, but so let's let's we'll let's be talk watching Bellator. Thursday. Yes, we will. We will <laughs> once I get off the plane. <laughs> all right. Uh, um. All right. Let's jump into the into the Bellator stuff. All right. Let's, Which uh, one you want to talk about, baby? Do you want to talk about the main event? No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, look, you have so, Czech and you've got Karatanov. Look, the two heavyweights. Yeah. They're going to get after it. I think Czech takes him down. I think Czech lays on him and and beats him up for for a couple rounds. Until the refs, until the ref stops it, unless Sergey can come in and use his jab to just set up the uppercut that he throws so well, he lands that he'll knock anyone out. He's got cinder blocks in his hands. He just is not fast anymore. And Czech has been able to squash a lot of people with, you know, he's got he's got a good clinch game, and he mm-hmm. he beats people up in the clinch. He wears them out because he's in good shape. Yeah, that's, I mean, for 44 years old or whatever, he's 46. still phenom- 46. He's still in 46. phenomenal shape. 46, crazy. Yep. Jeez, man. Jeez. Yeah. Oof. But it's, it's, I, mean, I, I just I, don't know where it goes from there with, with either guy. I'm just being honest. You know, I know yeah, Chuck it, feels that he'll, he'll be in a position to, to have a championship fight. That's not coming because you've no. got, you know, Moldovsky, you know, is the interim and you've got Bader sitting in the other. So, Moldovsky's not going to fight him. That does nothing for him. He's going to wait for Bader. So it's just he's going to be older, and I just don't see it happening. I don't know. Let let me uh, let me ask you a question. What you have? You have a number one contender spot right now. JJ Wilson, Adam Borich. That right there is to see who is the number one contender to fight for for the title next. Thank you. I mean, I I really believe that. Why is that not the main event? That's one. Two is. Look, guys, I don't know. That's why I'm freaking asking you. I don't know. <laughs> There's that, and then you've got Logan Storley, who's got he's got one loss to his now to, to the current champion to uh, Yaroslav Amosov, who's still undefeated at 26 and 0. And it was a fucking barn burner of the fight. And yep. this is his hometown. This is where he's from. He's from South Dakota. Like he's all of he. he ah. And we have him number three on there. He should have been the co-main event. Give the guy his due. He's going to probably be next for the title shot with a win here. And then uh, whoever wins this next fight coming up, you know, I think it's going to be, I think you're going to end up seeing Jason Jackson and Logan Storley fight to see who I, fights the winner of, uh, and then MVP and uh, what's his name? MVP. The and, only problem uh, is Jason yes. Jackson and Logan Storley are teammates. The camp. Yeah, yep. but they're going to, they're going to have to do it. It's, yeah. I mean, I yeah, they're going to, they're, I think they're going to have to do it. So, I don't know. I mean, I honestly believe there's just no way that I don't know how many guys are gonna be able to beat Logan Storley. I mean, uh, and, he, he, and he's all, look. I look at it this way: Logan Storley. N- not everyone's wrestling transfers into MMA. Yeah. Well, you you'll get guys that they were great wrestlers, but 
their wrestling in MMA doesn't transfer the same way. Logan Storley, dude, his wrestling has transferred beautifully. Now, he may not have been the NC2A champion, you know, out of Minnesota, but he was a great wrestler. And I'll tell you what, his wrestling in MMA, you want to go back and watch when Kamaru Usman and Logan Storley used to, you know, wrestle off on each other at Sanford MMA. Stand by. You'll see who who's the dominant guy. There was there's nobody in that camp that is better than Logan Storley when it comes yeah. to the wrestling part. He's yeah. just got a grind to him, a strength. Everything he does just starts to overwhelm the guys inside the cage if he's fighting or the guys that he's training with. And now his look, his stand up has gotten good. He was doing really well in the stand up against Amazov in that third round. And yes, he lost the fight on a split decision, but I think he learned a ton from that. He had hurt himself early in the fight, and I think what he got out of just the experience of fighting Amazov is going to pay huge dividends for him in the future as he goes on. I think he's just going to be a much better fighter. Everybody that's going to have to face him is now going to face someone who has now just stepped up that to the next level. He's good, dude. Yeah, he's really good. You know, <clears throat> um, I wasn't too high. I wasn't too high on him until I saw him fight Amosov, because I always felt like if you fought someone that could stuff takedowns, then he was stuck on his feet, and he—I don't know—I didn't think he would know what to do in terms of having to bite down on the mouthpiece and just have to swing for it. And in that third round, that fight could have went either way. And that that third round, he proved me wrong. I mean, it wasn't so much he proved me wrong; he just showed me what he had. He, he was the guy. He that, has that skill set, and he, he has, has it, the it. heart. Yep, he has it. Yep. Now, look, he needs to obviously work a lot more on the stand up in terms of adding more things to it—the kicks, the knees, all those things. You know, adding the elbows—that's going to come with time. But he, he's never going to get away from what he does best because he's had such success with it throughout his whole career. I want to exactly. say he's a six-time, six-time state champ for uh, South Dakota. He for was wrestling. a state champion as a seventh grader. That's nuts. That's, <laughs> That's absolutely nuts. crazy. Seventh grade state champ. That's insane. Yeah. So there's that. Seven, seventh you know, grader then, taking on seniors from high school. Yeah. He's a multiple-time All-American. He's a stud. He's an absolute stud. He's very soft-spoken, um, you know, and he's a, he's a good fighter, you know. And uh, I used to kind of ride hard on him a little bit because, you know, I get more around I, – I wrap my head around you as a, as being marketable. And at the time, you know, he had had some some controversial stuff said after the interview or after the fight and in one of his wins, he had said, like, hey, guys, you guys can boo me all you want. I'm going to keep doing what I do and just keep winning. And I'm like, that's not how you win fans. No. You know, just, I mean, there's other ways to approach it. He doesn't have that personality. He has a personality like, hey, I'm here to win. I'm here to be the best. And that's it. And I can appreciate that as well. Um, so I kind of leaned away from him a little bit. But then when I saw him fight, when I saw him in there against Amosov, he fucking won me over, man. He won me. He won yeah. every bit of me over. I was like, this kid is a stud. Everything yep. about him is a, he's a stud. He's a winner. There's no doubt about it. He's a winner. And so, um, I, yeah, and then him fighting here in his home, you know, basically in his home state, his hometown area, I think he's from Mitchell, which is right outside of, uh, Sioux Falls. And, uh, that's where Mike Miller, uh, was born as well. He used to play for the, uh, Miami Heat and stuff. So, um, but yeah, they, he's a, he's a talented fighter. He's got, he's got a good fight. Um, that's going to be a great Shiro. fight as well. Danny Shiro. So, uh, Dante, Dante, Shiro. Dante, Dante, Shiro. Dante, Dante, Shiro, yeah. Dante Shiro. So there's that fight. Look, we skipped over the Adam Borks and J.J. Wilson fight a little bit. We grazed over it to get to, oh, yeah. to Logan. But this is going to be, an like I said, it's a number one contender spot. It's to see who's going to end up fighting for the title, I think, 
after the next fight. So whoever's fighting next, there's going to be that fight next. I think this, the winner of this has that chance. They're going to see which one's going to end up fighting um, AJ McKee. If AJ McKee stays at 45, which this is to me, I need to see this. See, that's the thing is I need to see AJ McKee fight somebody like this. And I know he just beat Patricio. And we talked about how damn good Patricio is and in all, but I want to see him fight a young up and comer, a hungry person, someone like an, a J, like, like an Adam Boris or a JJ Wilson. And I want to, I want to say someone's very much your size, by the way, both these guys are, they're very <laughs> tall. They're very long. They're very lanky. They're very good all the way around, you know? And I think styles make matchups. And I think that Adam Boris and JJ both pose a threat to, to, to AJ McKee. <sighs> I'm going to say both of them are, are really good young fighters. Mm-hmm. The real question for me is this. First off, J.J. Wilson has come in, and this is one of the things I love about Bellator is that they do, they groom young talent, and they, they start to, you know, they'll give them some fights in the beginning that they should be able to get by, and then they start stepping them up, and they have stepped up uh, J.J. Wilson. They're stepping him up fast. They, you know, they gave him guys like Taiwan Claxton. They gave him guys like Pedro Carvalho. He had uh, Dabari, who was black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and, and really accomplished in the jiu-jitsu world and he has at every turn shown exactly how good he is he has stepped up to the challenge in every one of them and he has gone from being this guy that we looked at is he was submitting everyone arm bars chokes you know the variety of submission techniques and he transitions from one to the next really well which makes him dangerous and then in his last couple fights look he, he knocked Dabari out in like 20 seconds I mean he starched him and then he ground and pound Pedro Carvalho, you know, just, I mean, that whole fight, he had Pedro on his back foot. He had him in trouble. There was nothing that Carvalho could do throughout the fight and eventually put him away. He has looked fantastic. He is in that position right now where he's got the confidence. He's starting to believe, hey, and he's starting, he might even be getting a little cocky with it. I am good, which is, that's the way he's supposed to feel. Boric was the guy that we really love, and he was coming up undefeated, undefeated in every single, you know, combat sport. He was undefeated in his boxing. He was undefeated in kickboxing. He was undefeated in um, in his um, MMA career. And fourteen and zero, when he runs into Darian Caldwell, he gets beat when he makes a mistake. He gets choked, and from that point. He hasn't lost, but yeah. you can see that he's not the same as far as taking chances. He doesn't sure. want to take the chance that's going to put him back in that position that he ended up in with Darian Caldwell. So instead of getting rid of people and finishing them, he's been going to decisions. So it's telling me that there's something up there right now. It's playing with him. It's playing with his confidence, and he's in that I don't want to make a mistake, which is holding back on what made him special before. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree with you, man. But I still think it's going to be an absolute barn burner of a fight. The problem that I, one of the issues I have with J.J. Wilson is, is he doesn't make weight all the time. You know, and then when you get to this level, you cannot beat a number three guy or number two guy or whoever, whatever Adam Borch is ranked right now, and then not make weight against him and then think that you're going to jump him to get to the title shot after that. Oh, yeah. That's that's going to be a problem. I don't care what promotion you're in. I, I say this about every single fighter. Look, I'm going to, I give it to, I give it to you guys. 
just from a promotion point of view, as well as a fighter's point of view is, I mean, how are you going to now say as a manager, sell that to the promotion? Yeah. My guy's ready to fight for the title. Why? He hasn't made weight the last he couple of He can't even make weight. Yeah. What, what, what weight class? He can't do he, the he, first thing that he's required to do. Yeah. Let's, let's send him up to 155. He can fight there then since he can't seem to make weight. So that's a problem. You've got to make sure that your athlete is always ready to compete. And uh, he's got to have to make weight, man. So he's uh, out of Borks is at number three and you got JJ at number five. So if I'm looking at this right, JJ's undefeated at 8-0, Adam's 17-1. and And when you, I think when you put them against each other, sure, this will make for a great fight. But it's gonna, you're going to have to see exactly where JJ Wilson falls. And we're going to find out, to, what, tomorrow, I think, is when he makes weight, right? No, Thursday. What's tomorrow? Wednesday. Thursday. Makes it Thursday. Tomorrow's so Wednesday. Wednesday. <laughs> Tomorrow's Wednesday. My days are all messed up, man. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a great fight. The other fight that's on there that's kind of sneaky good is the uh, Lugo fight. So you've got uh, Lugo oh, versus Jordan Keith Lugo, Lee. Lugo, I love. Yep. Yeah, you love him. Yep. So that's that's going to be one of those kickboxing-style fights. I think Keith Lee will use, utilize his wrestling a tiny bit whenever he needs. But I think for the mainstay, he's going to try to keep it on the feet. You know, he's slick oh, on the feet. He so. has to keep it on the feet because if he ends up on the ground with Lugo, he's in trouble. Lugo is way slicker as far as being on the ground and – that's not the place for Keith Lee to win this fight. He can use his wrestling and, and, and do some ground and pound if he's in the top position. But if he makes a mistake on one of those takedowns, Lugo's going to reverse the position on him, and he's going to end up on his back, and now he's going to end up in a bad spot, and he's going to be trying to work his way out of it. Lugo is one of these young guys who technically is way ahead of his age. Yeah, The technical skill that this guy displays at times and the fight IQ, and that's the thing. This is the one thing I love about Jornel Lugo. He's smart. He, I have not seen him make any bad decisions in a fight. That is rare when you're talking about a 24, 25-year-old. Yeah. That says something. He understands exactly what he needs to do against this opponent, and he just goes about doing exactly that game plan. He doesn't overextend. He doesn't make mistakes. When you go against someone that doesn't make mistakes, you got you, you got to fight on your hand because you got to force them into something. Yeah, yeah, I agree that I agree that Lugo is good on the ground, and I think he is better than Keith Lee on the ground. But I think Keith Lee can be able to kind of just if he's able to get a takedown or two to keep it off, like keep Lugo guessing. I think that's yeah. what's going to make the difference of the fight. If he tries to just keep it on the feet, I think he could potentially get out kickboxed as well. That's the problem. So Lugo's good on the feet. He's explosive. He lunges in, lunges out a little bit, but he's long, tall, long, and lanky. He's a, he's a tall, long, and lanky. There's another young guy, too, that reminds me of Lugo that we have. I think he's also undefeated. Oh, yeah, that's uh, Jalon Bates. Bates, there you go. That's I think that's kind of who I was thinking about. Sorry, I think I was thinking about Bates to begin with in terms of the wrestling and grappling on the feet for uh, Keith. Yeah, so... Yeah, so you have yeah Bates, you've got Lugo, and then you know we had they have, don't do they both train with Mike Kimball? Uh, no, what? none of them train with Mike Kimball. One of them does. I think I think Lugo does train with him, or he has no. had him in his corner. Maybe Lugo, he might. Lugo's down in in Florida now. Got it. Uh, so I doubt. You know, well, no, I think because I thought Mike Kimball was in. Kimball uh, went to Sanford. Sanford. Yeah, he went to Sanford. Got Lugo's it. not at Sanford. Ah, okay. All right, so this that's a good fight, just so you guys, if you guys that's are paying attention. That's a great fight. That's going to be a great fight, you know? And then Taylor Johnson's always fun to watch, and then Fabio Aguiar, he's tough, tough as nails. That's going to be a good fight as well. Mike Camel versus Bryce Logan, that should be a good fight as well. Mike, so Mike Camel, Camel is a hammer. 
Mike Hamill is a crazy bastard. I love Mike Hamill. I will watch Mike Hamill fight anytime because he comes to fight. But I mean, in all fairness, though, they threw him to the wolves, man. When he first came in, they they threw him to the wolves. To a five day, I don't even know if it was a full five day short notice fight against Adam Borch. He goes, he he has a good fight with him, goes the distance. They give him a return fight. And then he, who did he fight next? Uh, Usman. uh, Usman. He fights Usman. Just tough fight. He's walking, trying to walk Usman down. He just couldn't get in. I think he, I think he had a couple of exchanges where he almost got him taken down, or he did take him down. No, he didn't take able him to, down. He wasn't Third able to secure the position. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't able to secure the position. We got the takedown on him. He just he's not a very tall guy for 155. No. So for him to be at 45, you know, at 55, 45, he's gonna have to figure it out. The 45 weight kills him. The 55, he's a little bit too small. It's weird to say he's a tweener for a 10 pound jump, but he's kind of a tweener. Yeah. You know, but he's, but he's, he's fun to watch. He's fun to watch. Yeah, he's, he's a gamer. All right, guys. Well, hey, that'll kind of wrap up our Bellator talk as well. So we're going to jump into the UFC. Let's do it. We got but bef- the. But go wait, ahead. before before we do this, before we do the, the UFC, let's go to mybookie.ag. Use the promo code Wayne in. They're going to give you a little extra spending cash. There's plenty of fights to bet on this weekend. So you guys oh, got to make sure you check them all out. See which ones we talked about and maybe pick some of those up. And so we kind of gave you hints on which people we thought were going to win. Go and check what the odds are. And so go to mybookie.ag. Use the promo code Wayne in. They're going to give you a little extra spending cash. And there's other stuff that's coming around as well. I don't know if you can bet on preseason football, but fo- football is kind of making a comeback right now. So they're doing things. Baseball is coming up for the hunt for October, right? Is that what they're doing right now? So, so that'll be a good little thing for them as well. So you guys make a little extra cash at mybookie.ag. Use the promo code Wayne in. All right, let's get into the UFC. John, you started off, bud. Dude, Jaron Cannonier against Kelvin Gastelum. The real question is, which Kelvin Gastelum is going to show up? I know, I know Jared Cannonier is going to show up, but Jared is the guy. He likes to stay on his feet. He likes to get into that boxing range. So does Kelvin. But Kelvin has the grappling here. I think he does have an, an advantage in the grappling. Not that Jared's as bad. He's, he's got decent wrestling. Not real submission game. But Kelvin in this position can decide, I'm going to be the Kelvin Gaslam that just stands there and throws hands. Or he can use that wrestling that he has and try to take this fight to the ground and gain some gain an advantage in this because you've got a guy who's good on his feet is fast has good power why take the chance if you have the opportunity change it up take him to the ground try to beat him up damage him on the ground when he gets back to his feet he's not going to be the same guy this is a this is a pick em fight in my opinion i said you know i know that uh Cannoneer is rated way way above Kelvin. I think he's like five or something like that or somewhere mm-hmm. in that area. I don't know. But I think that, you know, Kelvin's good against anyone. I, I just, I appreciate, you know, the way he fights. I appreciate how he goes out. I, I call him my, my MMA Roberto Duran. I really enjoy hmm. him and stuff. So we'll see. Yeah. I, I'm going to lean more towards Kelvin Gaslam. He's, I feel like he's fought the top, top level of competition. And don't get me wrong. I think Cannoneer is also but he hasn't fought. He hasn't fought Izzy many. yet. I don't believe. Yeah, he hasn't fought Izzy. He hasn't fought like Kelvin's fought everyone, and not only fought yep. everyone, but he's had great fights against a lot of them. Maybe he's come up short. Maybe he hasn't. Maybe he's got the win. But the bottom line is, I think if we see a flash of that Kelvin that showed up to fight Izzy, I think I think you're going to have a winner. So I think Kelvin's going to have to mix it up, though. He's going to have to box, and he's going to have to mix up the wrestling. Make yep. him fight from the bottom a little bit if he can do that. I think he's got. I think he's got a good chance of winning this fight. I love watching him fight. You know, I wasn't sold on Kelvin Gaston when I first, when he first came into the UFC. I was like, yeah, 
he something about him just didn't i was like yeah you're okay you're just a, you're straight up grinder you really not you're not really great in any area but then as i started watching him like you're a dog though you're someone that you bite uh, down on the mouthpiece you get after it you're that guy but i also lost a little bit of flavor for him because he wasn't making weight remember he was trying to get down to 70 he never made weight Yep. And then, you know, it's it kind of like, for I guess for a fighter, it just kind of rubs me raw a little bit. I'm like, come on, man. We're supposed to be professionals here. Make weight. I understood what he was trying to do, but uh, it wasn't meant for you, man. Like, you, I, he's had a lot of success at 85. Maybe he hasn't won the title, but he's been there. You know what I mean? And he's he's had great fights. And so I'm... I'm well, he's definitely not that tall, lanky guy. <laughs> nah, yeah. He got ran into that tall, yeah. lanky, lanky guy. So he's, he's great. He's not I, that like, guy. He's definitely won me over, and I enjoy watching him fight now. And he's uh, he's fun to watch, man. And I wish him wish him the best. I think he gets it done, though. I think I think if he fights smart, like you're saying, if he mixes up the boxing a little bit of the, the knees and the kicks as well with the wrestling, I think he's got a good chance of uh, winning this fight. What other yeah. fight on this card do you like? Oh, uh, well, you gotta love Clay Guida. Come on, man, the Carpenter. <laughs> I know, I know you have a thing against him. No, I don't have a thing <laughs> against him. I like him. I like him. Hey, uh, he's look, a great guy. I, I actually had a conversation with him about like probably I'd say, I don't know. We ran into each other after I'd left the UFC the second stint. And then uh, we ran into each other somewhere in an event and just kind of caught up a little bit. He's always been a nice guy. He just, you know, at the time I was obviously upset about feeling like he had greased up and cheated a little bit. He had that, he had a bunch of gel in his hair, you know, yep. and so that at the time that was right after the Diego Sanchez gel situation, you know, I think it was against uh, Nick Diaz. And so it just kind of was a problem, you know what I mean? And so it became very evident that that's what the issue was. And it just ended up being something that I had to get over. Like, hey, this is it. At the time, he didn't think maybe he was doing anything wrong, but it happened. And it is. It's over. It's over. I like the guy. He's a super nice guy. And, uh, he is. you know, he's fun. He's his energy. I love his energy. I think that's what's addictive about him, man. People love and fire off his energy. And I, I like him a lot, man. He's a good kid. Positive. There's a positivity yes. when you're around him. You can feel it. He's always positive. He's always, you know bringing up the good side of things. So he's in a position, you know, he's lived off of wrestling, you know, being a grinder, but the guy that he's facing, I kind of like the way that the matchmakers looked at this. Marco Madsen is, a, he's a great wrestler. You know, he's undefeated. He's got great wrestling, but he does start to get tired. And if he gets tired against Clay Guida, you know, he's going to have problems because Clay does yeah. not get tired. Clay can go, for the three rounds, full speed, RPM burning. I mean, I just look at it and go, well, Marco Madsen's not known for getting rid of a lot of guys. He takes them down. He beats on them. He's got a good crown and pound. He doesn't have a ton of power, but he beats on them, and he wears them out, but he also gets tired. He better not get tired in this fight. If he gets tired yeah. in this fight, he could win just about all of it and lose the fight. Yeah. Yeah, I mean Clay's one of those guys, man. He's just he's he's a grinder. He's a dog. He's someone that just just keeps pushing pressure on you, putting pressure on you, until you finally just start to fold and buckle, and you start going backwards. And once you start going backwards, it's a little bit what we saw from Gegard and Salter. It's a very similar situation. You start walking someone down enough, you start making a miss, you start making them miss their takedowns, their punches, all those things. They start burning more energy, and then they start stressing themselves out in their mind. Oh, yeah. They have that adrenaline dump. They start panicking a little bit. They don't realize they're panicking because they're like, oh, I just gave one more takedown. But then when they realize that they don't have it in them anymore, that's when the, all of a sudden things just start going dark. They're like, man, just get me out of here. Get me out of here. They start find, trying to find a way out. And uh, Clay's been known to do that to a lot of guys. And so there's that. 
that's that's one of the I think the, the biggest way he needs to win. He's got to make sure he can stuff a couple of takedowns early. If you can stuff a couple of takedowns early, you have a good chance of winning this fight. Yep. But the fight to me though, <laughs> the fight that I think is going to make this card is the Pandoja versus Brandon Royval fight. Pandoja against Royval is a good fight. I think it's going to be fight of the night. Fight of the Quite night. Quite possibly. Quite yeah. possibly. Look, Pant Alexandre Pantoja is good everywhere. He's got good stand-up. He's got good ground. Uh, Brandon is, is he's all over the place, man. He, he does have, he's got good stand-up. He's got good ground. He's not as technical as Pantoja. He takes bigger chances and bigger risks than Pantoja. Sometimes it pays off. Sometimes it doesn't. You know, yeah. we've seen him get caught where, uh, you know, he's, he's doing well and then one mistake and all of a sudden he's in a bad spot. Uh, but this is, I believe you're right. I think this is probably going to be at least the best matchup overall uh, of the night, and it could definitely be the best fight. But the other one that could be really good is you got two guys that are grinding dogs that are they never stop in Vince Pichel against yeah. Austin Hubbard. Vince Pichel is a guy I've known since before he started fighting. You know, He started at my gym, and I can tell you right now, he's 13-2. and two. He's got a loss to... Rustam Kabalov was his first loss. And then he lost to Gregor Gillespie. Those are his only two losses. He's the two first good guy losses. That took if you're gonna have two losses, those yep. are two good guys to lose yep. to. You know, his last fight was against Jim Miller. Uh, he had a great fight against Jim Miller. He got the win there. He's just—he's a guy that does not get tired. He brings a pace and just tough as nails. You've got to—you got to finish him. He's just going to keep coming at you. And and Austin Hubbard. He's basically the same thing, just in a different suit. So that's going to be a fun fight. It, and it, you could tell by the fact. I looked at some of their main cards that I didn't understand. You know, Chase Sherman, I like Parker Porter, but you're looking at two guys in the heavyweight division. I think they think there's going to be a knockout, so they're going for that. Okay, but the the start of the main card with Pantoja against Royval and then backing it up with Pichel against Hubbard, I think they're looking at that. That's just going to be two guys standing there in the middle and just going after it. Yeah, well, Pantoja and Rival will be the, the main event for the for the prelims, it looks like. No, right? it's on the main card. Wait, one. It's on the main card. One, yeah, two, I know. One, two, three, four, five, six, six fights. Six fights on the main I card. I know. They got six fights on the wow. main card. Oh, man. Oof. Yeah. It's going to be a long night. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. Especially as we come home from not sleeping. Oh shit. It's all man. good. My, my flight leaving on Saturday from Sioux Falls, South Dakota is at like five ten or five fourteen or something like that. I'm just lucky it's not an hour drive to the airport. <laughs> so <laughs> I love I love that that we don't have to do that hour drive to the oh, airport. Oh, that hour drive sucks. Oh, it's horrible. All right. Uh, yeah, so those are the fights that we've been talking about. Look, that, that Pantoja fight and Revolve fight is going to be a great fight. And like I said, the yeah. Clay, like Mar like John was saying, uh, Clay Guida and Marco Madison, Mad Madsen Marco should be Madison, a wonderful yeah. fight as well. And I'm looking at Kelvin Gaslam getting it done. Nothing against Jared Cannonier. I think he's a great fighter. I just think that Kelvin, if he fights smart, I think, I think he gets it done. All right. Uh, Dave, what are you thinking, buddy? Let's jump into some fan questions. All right. We fan stacked, question. He stacked us up today. Uh, so the first question comes from Alam Golos, who asks, question for John, 
What is the process of becoming an uh, becoming a UFC Bellator judge, and why does it seem like the same six to seven people judge every fight? Is it because they're seen as good judges, or is it because not a lot of people want to judge MMA? <laughs> no, a lot of people want to judge MMA. What happens is there are no UFC or Bellator judges. I'm just going to put that out there as far as none of them work for the UFC. None of them work for Bellator. They work and they, for the and athletic they commission. And they no, shouldn't work for UFC or Bellator. But what, what you have is um, those there are there are several judges, and I, I can name them off as far as the ones you're seeing the most of. The one you see the most of is Sal D'Amato. He's the guy that seems to be at every big fight, and he's been doing it for quite some time, and he has acquired a reputation of being very consistent in the eyes of the athletic commissions. And in the eyes of the promotions, being the UFC, Bellator, they believe he's got a consistency about his judging. Sometimes, you know, he's off and uh, he's in a, in a position sometimes away from the other judges. Sometimes that doesn't mean that he's wrong. Sometimes he's actually got the right score and the two other judges don't. Uh, we, we had one in Bellator. It was very similar to that. And I, I scored it just like Sal did. And you look and you go, there's no doubt about this, but the other judges looked at it in a different way. So you got Sal, you've got a guy named Derek Cleary, uh, who's from Georgia. He's really outstanding. And, you know, you're taking a look at, you know, their backgrounds. Derek Cleary, is a, he's been doing jiu-jitsu forever. He's a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. You know, obviously, you know, people don't hear about him because he's not competing all over the place, but he puts a lot of time into this. Chris Lee from Florida, he's another one that you see. Uh, Mike Bell from California is another one that's up, up at the top. My son, Ron, he's actually one of the guys that they use a lot of top. He limits himself to two shows uh, a month, basically, because he's got a family. And he says, I'm not going to do more than two shows. And so he does the two shows. And he says, you know, the other time is for my family. So you're, you're going to see those, those guys over and over again. And the reason you're seeing them is the commissions believe in them. Now, they're not all licensed in every place but for the most part uh you know you're seeing them in nevada you're seeing them in california you're seeing them sometimes the mohegan sun uh, or something like that for bellator so they're they're licensed in the states that uh do a lot of fights to sit there and say what does it take well here i'll, I'll give you a clue my son started uh judging fights when he first took my class and I, I can tell you right now, I was the hardest son of a bitch in the world on him. And I did that based upon not being, I'm, um, I want to be hard on my son. I knew what my son was going to go through because of me. People were going to say that he got it easy based upon me. So he went through the course. He ended up, he passed it and he passed it with flying colors compared to a lot of people. But from that point, he went into what was called camo, which is the California amateur mixed martial arts association or organization. And he did, uh, over 500 fights in camo. So he does that. Eventually he gets licensed by the California state athletic commission and they start putting him into small shows. And in those small shows, he starts, you know, they start actually aggregating his scores against what the other people are doing. And then they take and they look and say, all right, this guy, he is at a 96% that he's always got the right score compared to what everyone believes he should have or something like that. There's going to be times when as the judge, you're sitting in that seat 
you don't see the fight the same way as everyone else because the angles don't work for you and you end up giving it to the other guy. But from that point, you know, he started doing bigger shows and all of this takes place. And then eventually, you know, Nevada says, Hey, we have a spot. Would you want to apply? And he'll apply to that. And you're talking about a process that has taken him now, you know, this is 2021 and he's been doing that since 2000 and I want to say 2008. So 2008, 2009, maybe we'll say. So from 2008 until 2021, you're looking at, you know, a good 12 years to get to the position he's at. But all the fights that he did that you never had any clue of or all those things that happened. And then all the times when going to other classes and learning things from people, the, you know, the text streams that are done, there's a lot that goes into it. If you want to be that guy, you can make it start going to a gym, start learning everything about MMA, start learning every submission there is, start understanding. You know, if I ask you what submission is that and you don't know it, then you aren't ready to judge, okay? That's just as simple as it gets because if someone's doing something that you don't recognize, then you can't give credit for it. Everything that is done, every takedown that is done, everything that is done in that cage, you should understand exactly what it is. Is it being done right? And how effective is the person with it? Those are the things you need to do. You start doing that, then I would suggest going to a class. There are there are classes out there. Herb Dean's got classes. I used to do it. I, I've kind of put it off on other people now. Every now and then I'll show up. But there's the command course. You can go to uh, MMAreferee.com and look at that. If you want to go try to do that, they'll send you a thing that, of a date that when they'll have a class. Go to the class. Start going to amateur shows. Start working for some of these amateur organizations. Show that you are the guy that has the best scores overall. And then eventually you'll get that pro license. And then it all starts over again. And you got to keep proving yourself. That's how you do it. Sounds fucking horrible. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry that took so long. No, no, no. I'm just saying it sounds horrible because you've talked about Frank Trigg. He went through it, what, twice? He went through it a couple times. Three times. And there's other fighters, you know, we've seen. And we've seen some fight like Shaolin, I think, was... I think he's a better judge than he is a ref. He seems very uncomfortable yep. in there. I've seen him ref a couple of times. He seems very uncomfortable. Not good in there. at making decisions. Yeah, he's like that. You know, Not you decisive. said you said the same thing about Jason Herzog when he first started. That he was good at decision making, but you're like, hey, stop bouncing around in there. You seem like you're fucking ready to run a marathon. Like it was the bouncing around, hip forward, hip back, footwork. You know, and it's like, yep. settle down, okay? You're like that that jumping back and forth. Can fighters pay attention to that in the in their peripheral? So does the and, crowd, and that's not what you want. Yeah. So there you go. So they, they those are just examples. I mean, I'm sure there's a ton more you could give, but like I said, it sounds horrible. <laughs> it just sounds horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and especially when you say, "Hey, should, when you said what submission is that?" And I'm thinking, "Dar's Anaconda, Dar's Anaconda, <laughs> fuck." <laughs> that's the truth, oh, you know. And that's dude. what it is. Yeah. So. Horrible. All right. Next. Hi, right, Dave. All right. Uh, next one's from Luca TS1, who asked for both. Would you rather be number one, a two divisional champion, or number two, have six title defenses? No, two oh, I'd rather champ. be the two divisional champion. Yeah, two division champ. Yeah. See, here's the thing. People gave me a hard time about this. We we had this conversation in in the gym at AKA. You had you had DC there, Kane there, Fitch, Koss. You know. Um, a bunch of other top level wrestlers that were there at the time. And I said, you know what? I would rather be Kyle Dake than Kale Sanderson. I would rather be the guy 
who beat a different level of competition every single year because he didn't know he didn't know he didn't never wrestle those guys before. You're going up in weight. You're wrestling. Uh, uh, you're wrestling guys that you haven't gotten used to, and you're able to beat. And so every year he had to readjust and had to to learn the the guys who he's fighting. And he had one year to do it. He was a four time national champ out of uh, Cornell, and he sure he lost matches sometimes in the in the year. But at the end of the at the end of the year, at the end of the day, he was able he to was beat all champ. of them in the finals. Yep. You know, in in, in the national yep. in the NCAA tournament to to become a national champ. To me, don't get me wrong. I think what Kale Sanderson did was absolutely amazing. But I look at it as like, let's be honest. A lot of the guys that he had wrestled in college for those four years, a lot of them were the same guys. He knew them. He knew how to beat them. And then, in, and yeah. also, the more you beat them, the more the more you beat them, the more you deflate them. Their confidence isn't what it was. They every year they don't come back thinking they can beat him. They're like, oh shit, he's fucking back. Gosh, man, you know, like that's that's no different than any other sport. When someone has your number, man, it gets harder and harder for you to make a comeback against them. And so I, I looked at what Kyle Dake did a little bit differently and than what Kale did. And I think both of them did what they did both did. It was just absolutely amazing. But if I had to be a, a two-division champ, I think that's harder to me than, than defending your title six times. I, I understand what you're saying, and I can see your side and what you're saying about Kyle Dake, you know, it, because he won NC2A titles at multiple weight classes. Pretty impressive. Yeah. But – I can also look and say, Kale Sanderson, when you're wrestling someone that's just not of your standard and you have to wrestle them again, mm-hmm. no big deal. But when you're wrestling someone that's really good and you beat them, to come back and beat them again, it's a little bit harder. doesn't mean you can't do it, but it, it can get harder because he has an idea of what you do. And you have to then start to make sure that you're doing your things right and you're not making those little mistakes because if you make the little mistake, then they're able to take advantage of it because they're waiting for it. They've already been against you. So it, it's different, though, in what the question is. The question is saying six time as far as, you know, defending your title yeah, or two-division two champion. There's a big difference be- between that and being undefeated throughout a career. Yeah. And when you look at Kale Sanderson undefeated throughout his collegiate career, 159 and 0, unbelievable, unbelievable. I'm not. I love what Kyle. I love what Kyle Dake did. Yeah. But Kale Sanderson, nope, can't beat what he did. 159 and 0. The one argument that I would I would have to agree with you on is that, and I, I looked at it this way: is that it's hard to get motivated for the guys you've already beat. And meanwhile, yes, those is. guys, those guys over there are getting are motivated really motivated for you to beat you. I do understand that. And it's hard to stay motivated throughout those four years. You think you're thinking four years straight. You had to get up for guys that you'd probably tech in, in one round. You're like, oh, OK, it's easy to just slip up and lose one. And so what he did was very special. I understood that. Yeah. Um, I, I looked at it just as more of a challenge in terms of you have to go up and face people you've never faced before. You've never wrestled before. And it was going up in weight in terms of everyone's getting bigger. Everyone's stronger. Everyone's heavier. Like, you know, know, and so those are things he had to deal with. Kyle is phenomenal. But I think this is for MMA. And if you're going to say, would I rather defend my title six time or be a two division champ? I'm taking the two divisional champ. Yeah. What happens if I was a two division champ and I defended both of those six times? Cause you never, never asked me that. So (laughs) that's true. That's true. true. So, all right, next. Let's go, Dave. 
All right. Next question from Sofyan Ibra, who said, asks, for Big John and Josh, was it a mistake of the UFC letting Misasi go? How would he stand against UFC middleweights? Well, <laughs> yes, it was an absolute mistake. Let's be honest. When he was on a four or five fight win streak in the UFC, and it's not that they let him go. He, he fought out his contract and he decided that he was going to go somewhere else. And that's his choice. And it's, that's the way it's supposed to be. Uh, it's a matter of, you could take a look at the middleweights in you know, the UFC right now. And they have some, some studs, some guys that I really enjoy watching. But if you're going to take a look at that lineup, you know, Robert Whitaker, that would be a guy that would be a tough fight with Gegard, but on the ground, if Gegard got on top of him, Whitaker's not getting away from him. It'd be trouble. Israel Adesanya is a great fighter. I love him. But that's a fight that is a good fight for Gegard Mousasi in my mind. The way Israel fights. Now, Israel, he's a better stand-up fighter. Gegard's a good stand-up fighter. Israel's a better stand-up fighter. But Israel's not going to move himself around. If, if Gegard takes him down... Gegard on the ground is way better than people realize. Yeah, he's really He good. is dominant from the top position, and he's able to dish out a lot of damaging shots. He conserves energy very well. So it's all about matchups that you put him with, but he could fit into that, back into that, you know, um, middleweight division. He would be somewhere, you know, he, he'd definitely be in the top 10, uh, he could fight any any one of them, and he could come away with a win against any one of them. Yeah, now, could they this, beat him? Yeah, I I, I think yeah. there's certain matchups that could be difficult for him, but I think there's certain matchups that are really good for him. Yeah, I think guys like my honest opinion, guys like Kelvin Kelvin Gastelum and Sean Strickland, guys that have great conditioning and cardio, and the ones that just push forward, those are the guys I think that would give him a hard time. All the other guys that just try to that. They will fight at a pace like Derek Brunson. He gasses too much. He's got great wrestling, but I don't think he has the top pressure to be able to get hold him down or get him down as very often. Okay, and he'll gas himself out. Marvin Vittori he's a big guy, but he, even if he does get him down, Gegard's a way better grappler than him. Sweeps, armbar submissions, all of those things, as well as he's better than him on the feet. You know, you get into Jared Cannonier. Paulo Costa is very interesting to me. Now that would be. That would be an interesting fight to me because he's got the power. He's relentless. He comes forward. He just throws big punches, you know, and that makes it interesting. But he does get taken down. He's got good takedown defense as well. But if he does get taken down, it's gonna he's gonna be hard to finish only based off the fact because Gegard's not a he's he's not a doesn't seem like a very strong person, but he's got he is, heavy though. hit pressure. But he's got some strength there. Would he be able to hold him down? Would he be able to get him down a, a couple times over and over? Absolutely. So I don't know. Well, that, the question. question a couple times, that, that's that's always going to be questionable. Yeah. But there's no doubt. Gegard is way stronger than he looks. Yeah. And that's where that's people make the mistake with him. Mm-hmm. Everybody I know that's gone against him goes, dude, he was way stronger than I thought. Yeah. Th- this is the one last thing I want to leave you guys with on this question. And maybe John has more. But is is we're talking we're talking 1% for the top five guys in the world. And he's in that top five. That's, I mean, like, and so one mistake, doesn't matter how damn good you are. One mistake against any of those top five guys and you lose. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what organization you're in. Okay. I take the best one guy from, from PFL or two guys from PFL and the best one or two guys from Bellator, the best, you know, one or two or three guys from the UFC. We mix them all together. 
you're gonna see, you're gonna find out like it's only gonna take one person it's only gonna take one mistake for that top person to lose because that's how close they all are and just styles make matchups that's that's what's so great about our sport you know and so it's uh that's can he be in there absolutely he can be in there he can be in that mix for sure well and you can also look at you know between all of them israel's had 20 21 22 fights now you know jared cannoneers at 18 fights um gastelum's around 24 uh, no one is even close to the amount no. of experience that gaygard has and but He's getting more towards the end, you know. He's getting up, up there in age. He's thirty-six now, but thirty-six is still an age that I think MMA fighters are very good at. It starts getting up towards thirty-eight, and then it starts to the speed starts to go. Yeah. But you take a look at who he has competed against throughout his career, and the fact he is can be, you know, take a look at, you know, Israel went up to light heavyweight. Look what happened. It's hard yeah. to deal with that weight now. You know, let's be honest. Bellator and, and Scott Coker, they want Gegard to move up in weight. They want him to go to 205 and have some fights there because they know there's competition there that can push him, and they want to see it. But he's fought at light heavyweight. He's been a world title holder at light heavyweight. He's fought at heavyweight. This win. is a guy that's done. He's done so much in his career, and if you take a look at the litany of people that he has beaten, it's incredible. You know, I'm, I'm looking at the list right now just in the recent, you know, I remember UFC 200, he he fought Thiago Santos, destroyed him in the first round, just obliterated him, you know, got on, you know, took him down at a certain point, got on top of him, just ground and pounded him to the point. Thiago was just, you know, covering up, trying to stop it, couldn't do anything. Vitor Belfort beat him, came back after he was beating Uriah Hall badly. Uriah does the spinning back kick and, and ends up getting a win over uh, Gegard. Beautiful win for Uriah, but then comes back. And in the first round, puts him away. Chris Weidman beats him. Alexander Shlomenko in Bellator beats him. You know, Rory McDonald destroyed Rory. Made Rory just look bad at the time when Rory was riding high, had won the, the welterweight title, had not lost, you know, in Bellator. That was his first loss, and that was the starting point of a downfall. Gegard's amazing. Can you scroll down a little bit more there to pass the Uriah Hall loss? Because what, you, what you're going to see kind of is you're going to kind of see a fighter that when he fought Jacare, he was still motivated. He was still kind of on his rise up. But then he had, you know, he had his win against Dan Henderson. And then he had his win against uh, Philippou. But in that, in those fra in those phrases there, like in the, in the certain phases there, you have to go back and look. He sometimes is not motivated. You no. see it. You just see it in the way he's approaching the fight. You know, I looked at with the, the Douglas Lima fight. I didn't see him being motivated. The Rory McDonald, he looked motivated, like, oh, you want to come up yep. and fight me? He yep. smashed Rory. But when he oh. fought Douglas Lima, he was like, rrr, rrr. like it almost seemed like he didn't want to be there. It's like, oh, yep. all right, I'm fighting another one. Especially after the power. first round. Yeah, he just was like, First eh. round, he takes him down, and he just destroys him in the first round, beats him up, and it was like, eh, I'm kind of bored now. Yeah. <laughs> so it really, does, that, it really comes down to whether he's motivated or not. You saw a motivated one uh, this last Friday against... Um, John Salter and him talking about going up to light heavyweight. We're going to, that'll definitely, I think, motivate him as well. He's got a submission win over Mark Hunt. You know what yeah. I mean? So like when you're having these conversations, he's fought a heavyweight, light heavyweight. He was the champ in strike force at light heavyweight. Then he was the Bellator champ. You know, he should have been potentially in that conversation to fight for the title in the UFC. Just, they, they didn't really care for him all that much. And so when he, when the, his contract was up, he had an opportunity to make a ton of money going to Bellator. 
So he did. He had a relationship there also too with Coker and they'd already worked together. And a lot of, a lot of Dutch fighters and Holland fight, they come out of, they've worked with Scott and they've, they like being there. So I think that's a big reason why he came over. Yep. All right. Next. And uh, next question two, uh, is from Dave. Let's do two more. Okay. Next question from Terrence. Uh, sorry, Trent Humphreys, who asks, Hey, John, love the cast. Had, it, had there ever been a fighter you genuinely didn't like or get along with that you had to raise their hand at the end of a match? <laughs> Josh Thompson. <laughs> Josh Thompson. That's what I was going to say, it, man. <laughs> like, yeah, there's this guy. His name was The Punk. That's why I started laughing. I was like, I don't know if I should do it or not. <laughs> so great. I Look, I, 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 I never... I never, I, I looked at fights in a different way than most people would. I never looked at, do I like someone? Do I not like someone? I looked at, I, I had a job to do, and that's all I thought about. I didn't care who was fighting. If I liked the person, it didn't matter if they won or lost to me. If I didn't like the person, it did not matter if they won or lost to me. You know, there's going to be fighters that you look at and you go, hey, our personalities don't mesh. Okay, that's just the way it is. But if they won the fight. I gave them all the respect in the world. I treated them the way I would have treated anybody else because you're a professional and that's what you do. So that's it. All right. Next. Next question. And next question from Big Hayes. Would you rather be the guy who beats John Jones or beats Khabib? Uh, I'll take either one. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. Uh, I would say John Jones. Um. And it's not just because I'm not being a homer in this situation. I would say I would say I'd rather be the guy that beats John Jones because there's a little bit of that that Floyd Mayweather feel I think for a lot of people with John Jones. And so there's a lot of people out there, say half the people out there that want to see him lose, and the other half want to see him win. And so with Khabib, I think everyone kind of still wants to see him win. And so beating that guy is like, uh, you know. Um, I also look at like when John says it all the time is. Knowing that you're going to try to beat Khabib, he's the most dominant fighter I think John said that he's ever seen. You know, Absolutely. and so when it comes to being a champion, he's the most dominant fighter that's ever stepped in the cage. He's dominated every 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 fighter he's been in there with, pretty much. You know, whereas John Jones has had a couple fights where they were back and forth, and he should have lost potentially. You know, the first uh, Gus fight, people thought he lost the Reyes fight. People thought he lost uh, the Santos fight. You know, there was fights in there though that people thought he lost. So there's that. Those are those people that are saying like, "Oh, well, we don't like him because of whatever he's done in the past." But they continue not to like him. I think the fight over John Jones because he he was so dominant for so long with his athleticism and his skill set and all the things. Um, I I would say John Jones. I don't think there's a difference as far as I look and say. If I was going to say, who is the guy that if you could get a win against? would prove how you know especially you were it's either guy yeah that's true but i i I would say you know i i I like uh everything that john does as far as his fighting style i think he's a super intelligent uh fighter but the dominance that khabib has shown throughout his fights would be he would be the guy that i would say that's the one that i would uh, let's do that what question right there with Fabian Morales. Let's do that question as well. Because John, right. John can touch on it as well. Uh-oh. Question from Fabian Morales uh, is for John. Yana and Tiago have announced their first child, four months pregnant, but Yana just fought Irene last month. How does the state commission not catch her pregnancy? Okay. Well, what has occurred is, let me 
you have a lot of things going on with laws and rights and things like that. And really what occurs is they have a, a, um, a medical uh, sheet that the fighters have to fill out saying, you know, what they have, all this stuff, things like that. Uh, when it comes to testing for pregnancy, it used to be that all women were tested all the time. And then it was, you had certain ones coming out saying, well, you're testing me, but you're not testing that man right there. Why? You know, if you're going to test me for something, you should have to test him. And there was a whole legal thing about, you know, well, you cannot just randomly test someone because they're a female. I'm not saying I agree with it. Wow. I'm saying this has occurred. <clears throat> and so many of the commissions said, okay, we're going to put it on here. Have you had, are you, is there a chance that you could be pregnant or any of those things? Now, if the woman goes no, then they're going to say, okay, we'll accept the fact that you, you're not pregnant. This is where lawyers get involved in things and you go, how stupid are you that you're going to fight? This is against someone's right. This is against someone possibly losing something that would have been very uh, impactful in their life and special in their life without knowing. So they used to do pregnancy tests that it's not happening anymore. So that is how you have something like that and it can occur. John, here's the other issue I have with what you just, I'm not, look. Go ahead. Is what happens if the fighter finds out that they are pregnant after they checked that box and said no, and then they lose the baby. Do they come back and sue the commission or do they sue the promotion? Like that's, are you you waiving all your rights when you say you check that box saying no? You're checking that box saying no, I am not. So they're allowing you to fight based upon your word that you say, no, I am not pregnant. But then the, the fighter doesn't really know, obviously, as we're seeing right now. The fighter <laughs> <on>. obviously. <laughs> well, you don't know. You really don't know. Did she know or not? And uh, maybe she didn't. And maybe you know, I'm not saying she did. And so it could happen. But it used to be that all women were given That's a it. pregnancy test by the athletic commission to make sure that they were not because obviously it's fast. It's no big deal, but there were people that complained about it. There were people that brought it as an issue based upon it being sexist because they were not making the men do it. And, uh, the commissions, instead of making the men do it, just said, all right, well, you know, we'll change it up to where we'll go off. You're, you're the one responsible. We're going to ask you if you are, and we'll go off of that. This is a, uh, this is a funny story. Um, Hopefully, Coker doesn't get mad at me for telling this, <laughs> but but the Gina Carano fight and the Chris Cyborg fight, I want to say it was G, not Gina, it was uh, Chris's corner had called Coker like right before weigh-ins and said, "Hey, the fight's off. She's pregnant." <laughs> and he just she he wasn't died. She, yeah. but he just There's about died. He just shit himself. Obviously, it was a joke. I think they were laughing in the background, but I think it was Chris Cyborg. And her coaches and stuff that they called them and did that, but it was it was funny. They were telling me the story. I think I was up on the um, I was up on like a panel answering questions about it, and it was just hilarious. It was funny. We're talking about it on Showtime. <laughs> funny stuff, man. But I think can you imagine though, as a promoter, you're like, this is my main event. This is the first main first event. Time. Females, women fight. Yeah. Oh, just. But it was great. It's everything. Uh oh. All right, guys. Well, hey, hopefully you guys enjoyed the show. We um, have another show that we're going to film right after this called Wayne Interjection. So go to our link down below on our main channel. Hit that clip. 
Hit that link there and that'll take you to our Clips channel. Hit that subscribe button as well as the notifications bell. We're trying to build that channel up. There's a special show that we do called Wayne Interjection. It will only be on that channel. So go ahead and check that out. And um, other than that, man, go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Wayne in. Use the promo code and still pick up a plethora of any of our shirts. There's so many of them, different colors, features, all this other stuff. And the artwork is finally in. We just got to talk to John. I'm going to send it over to John tonight on uh, my buddy's artwork that he drew up. And it's all right. absolute. It looks absolutely amazing. He just wants to know if we wanted it in black and white or if we want to have him add the color to it. So that will be something that John can walk through with me and we'll decide on that we'll go from there so hopefully you guys enjoyed it that hopefully we get that thing up onto the onto a t-shirt as well as fast as possible so if there's anything else john what do you got one thing i have to say is go and buy one of those shirts represent the weighing in podcast and we will see you